Welcome to Your Path to Nonprofit Leadership, the weekly podcast that features the very best in career development in the nonprofit sector. I'm your host, Patton McDowell, and in addition to podcasting, I'm a leadership coach, a mastermind facilitator, a best-selling author, and a speaker. I love taking these nonprofit leadership topics on the road and into your Zoom room. So if you need someone at your next conference or workshop, check out my new speaking page at PattonMcDowell.com for more information. Well, I had another fantastic conversation this episode with Jama Campbell, who leads the State Employees Credit Union Foundation as their executive director. They are doing some really impressive work through their grant making and building long-term partnerships with their grantees. Now, it won't surprise you to know that Jama and her team are really thoughtful about the leadership characteristics they look for when they are identifying high potential nonprofit organizations in which to invest. Of course, that's exactly what she and I discuss. And I asked Jama, what are they looking for in terms of staff leadership, board leadership, community relationships, and partnerships that demonstrate a nonprofit's not only current success, but also future potential? So wherever you are listening to this episode, you want to take some notes here because the characteristics she and I discuss are ones that you can apply to your relationships with funders in your community. Don't forget to check out the show notes. This is episode number 194. Go to the new podcast page at patmcdowell.com and you will find all of the resources that Jamie and I discuss, as well as more information on the great work she's doing through the State Employees Credit Union Foundation. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Jama Campbell. Jama, thank you for joining me on the path. Thank you so much, Patton, for inviting me to spend some time with you this afternoon. I'm excited about this conversation. You and the State Employees Credit Union Foundation are doing wonderful work across the state of North Carolina. And frankly, the, the value of the insight you picked up, the advice you're going to offer will help a nonprofit leader in any state or country for that matter. So while mm-hmm. our focus may be here in the Tar Heel State, it certainly is relevant to nonprofit leadership everywhere. And of course, many nonprofit leaders out there listening are, are always thinking about generating more funding and having relationships with funders like you. Is there a key characteristic, and I know we'll unpack this more, but a key characteristic you're looking for when you're considering who to invest in as a nonprofit organization? Well, that's such a great question to uh, to start us off. Um, I mean, there are so many key pieces, I think, in, in doing this work. I always am asked by so many people, do you have a specific rubric? And, and, and in this work, it is so hard. It is so hard to have that because every organization is different and every organization is really uh, feeling a, a needed gap in their community, all the, all the folks that we're having an opportunity to work with. But, but I would say, first off, we look for heart and, and, and passion in, in, in their work. Um, we, we look for organizations that are really filling key gaps in their communities or, or even regions. Um, so many of the organizations that we've worked with have very innovative models um, and they're setting standards. And, and that's something that we find very, very important as a statewide funder we want to be able to lift up these models that are so successful and we want to be able to support these organizations, but also share these concepts and ideas 
with others uh, that are tackling the same challenges and meeting the same needs. Um, so replication is, is important for us as well. Um, and then ultimately, I think that sustainability is, is so key and so important. You know, for us as funders uh, at SECU Foundation, we are working on behalf of the SECU membership statewide to provide right. these and it's their dollars that are providing this funding. So we look at it as we are good stewards of that $1 from every member that is funding the foundation. So we want to make sure that we're working with organizations, nonprofits that are really looking at key sustainability models because we want them to be around for years to come. Love that. And again, several takeaways for a nonprofit leader listening. One replication. And so I guess, in other words, if, if as an organization, you'd like me to demonstrate that, hey, we've got a model here that might also help another community across the state. Is that kind of literally how you might evaluate the replication that's, angle? Yeah, I think that's exactly right, Patton. I mean, we we all know that all of our communities are very different from 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 east to to, to west in our state. And 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 the, the the landscape might look a little bit different, but the challenges are the same. So there might need to be. Uh, some little tweaks to those models. But we really feel like with so many of the groups we've worked with in the past that we call it, they, they figured out the secret sauce, we call right, it. Right, right. Um, and it's something that if it's working in Asheville, we think it's probably going to be able to work in Wilmington too. And um, how can we share that information? Well, and I've seen up close, again, you and your team are really good at, at connecting organizations. You've literally had a, a mission development conference where you can bring nonprofit leaders together, which I think is unique. I hope more mm -hmm. funders will consider, if they're listening, these opportunities to share some of the in, in, information that is gathered, the learnings that occur. Uh, but let me ask you about the other characteristics, sustainability. I assume that speaks mm -hmm. largely to, to revenue generation or just simply a, a funding or business model that can assure you they can continue for years to come? That's right. I mean, it could be succession planning for their board, for their staff, um, but certainly financial sustainability. You know, if we're looking at going in and providing significant funding for a project, we want to have an idea that that organization is going to be able to sustain their work. Um, if we're looking at, say, programmatic expansion, how are they, you know, we're not going to more than likely be able to fund it long term, you know, we may be looking at a year or two of funding, but who are they going to be reaching out to afterwards? And how are they building that funder network? And how are they they engaging with their communities so their communities are aware of the work they're doing and the importance of supporting that work? Yeah, I love that. And we're going to unpack more of that because you have four fascinating characteristics, I think, that you use in your evaluation. And, and I'm glad you raised a point because a lot of times I think nonprofit leaders, you can't fund all of their needs. So in mm -hmm. fact, you want to see evidence that they have a fundraising plan, right? And other funders are indeed supporting this organization as well. That's exactly right. You know, you made mention of our mission development grant program, which is a capacity building program for small uh, small organizations. And and one of the focuses there is 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 working with these organizations to help them to connect to funders, local funders, regional funders, statewide, even national funders, uh, because we realize that many of these organizations just they don't know where to start, um, and they don't know how to build that 
that even the local or that greater larger community of funders. So how can we work with them to to understand the importance of making sure that they are keeping a healthy uh, relationship with a number of funders? You know, um, I had a, a meeting with an organization earlier today that is looking for funding, and they were talking about the importance of understanding who funds operations who funds programs, who funds capital, you know, different funders work in different areas and different sectors. And having that knowledge as a nonprofit leader um, is critical in building a strategy of sustainability. So well put. And again, I'm glad because I think that's what our listeners want to hear. And the perspective you bring as a funder, it's holistic, right? And what you're evaluating Mm -hmm. and what you hope that these organizations are going to strengthen themselves by being strategic in areas like funding. Um, Well, before we unpack your four pillars, which again, I'm gonna encourage our listeners to stay tuned because you literally are gonna unpack some of the key characteristics of leadership and other organizational strategy that make a a grantee or potential grantee eligible. Uh, Let's hear about your journey, Jama. You uh, are in a role and there may be listeners now thinking about, hey, I'd like to get into foundation work or philanthropic leaderships. I wonder what led you to the work you're doing now? Well, you know, I came at, um, at the, into the foundation world. And I I think a, probably a unique way it was through, uh, working in the credit union industry. A a lot of folks, maybe your listeners are, are not aware that credit unions are not for profit organizations. You know, we are, uh, tasked with providing, services for our member fair and reasonable rates uh, for lending and providing deposit service and other financial advisory services for our members. Uh, And SECU has been in business doing this for now 85 years. So as a credit union, our movement is all about giving back to communities. So about 20 years ago, State Employees Credit Union formed a foundation uh, that is funded by the members of State Employees Credit Union. That one dollar in their uh, as a monthly maintenance fee on their checking account uh, to provide funding for projects all over North Carolina. And I began working at SCCU 27 years ago in our branch network, uh, working directly with our members, helping advise on lending products, mortgages, uh, financial advisory services, and, and other aspects of financial needs, and really built a strong rapport with, with, with so many of our members throughout the state. And I think that's why I stayed with this movement all these years, because I realized what a difference individually we as employees at the credit union can make in the lives of our members. I had an opportunity to work throughout North Carolina. I started in the Davidson County area and then moved up to uh, Haywood County and worked even west of Haywood over to Buncombe. I, I had the opportunity of opening up the Burnsville branch as the first branch manager. Wow. Uh, in- 2000, which was an incredible opportunity to share the credit union with a with a brand new community in Yancey County, uh, and then came down to to Raleigh, where I've been now for the last 20 years. But I had an opportunity here to work with internal audit. There, I got a chance to really tour the state of North Carolina and spend a lot of time down east, uh, which I'm not from the eastern part of the state. So it gave me an opportunity to really understand those communities. So in saying all that, coming to the foundation seven years ago, I really had a unique perspective 
perspective of working throughout North Carolina and having a, a good understanding of those community needs throughout the state. Yeah, what a wonderful collection of experiences you've weaved together to, to lead you to your current role. And I, and I guess let me ask you that. Was there a particular encouragement or uh, was this something kind of on your long-term goal list to ultimately perhaps lead the CQ Foundation or how did that come about? You know, that's a that's a funny story. One of the wonderful things about State Employees Credit Union, and I've been here now for 27 years, is we've always had a culture of, of, of really understanding the importance of that promotion from within, as well as bringing folks in with, with specific skill sets. And I remember seven years ago, the CEO at the time, Jim Blaine, uh, you know, came, came to me and said, listen, I, I think this is something that I, I would love for you to give this a try. Our uh, first executive director, Mark Twisdale, who had helped begin the foundation, uh, was retiring. And so we needed someone to come in and, 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 and really take the helm and really be the first full-time employee of the foundation. Before I came, there were folks who were doing many other things within the credit union who were also working with the foundation. And I think we had been discovered at that point in time. We were getting so many requests from around the state. Our board and our CEO at the time, Jim Blaine, knew that they needed someone to come in and really focus on building a staff uh, and processes uh, and really work more on community engagement and building up the reputation of the foundation in communities throughout North Carolina. For so long, we were just uh, a secret in North Carolina. Right, and they really right. wanted more folks to know about our work. We wanted to attract more grantees. So I have been very blessed with this opportunity. I, I, I pinch myself all the time realizing <laughs> that the, you know, the, the power of the, the foundation and the opportunities we have. Well, you've done very well. And again, you've expanded the team. You've grown the team. You've grown the impact, frankly, across the state with your giving. And maybe you could talk about that. I, I remember you made a comment to me once. Historically, a lot of, of the grant making was in capital projects. But mm -hmm. uh, I, I know that is doesn't tell the whole story. Maybe you could speak to what are the types of organizations you're funding or other things related to your kind of grant making approach? Yeah. So so when we formed our foundation back in 2004, we focused in four key areas, uh, which is so interesting because those areas are just as relevant today. Um, education, health care, housing and human services, which really runs the gamut of need. We started with our scholarship programs and a lot of folks, maybe even your listeners will know about our SECU People Helping People Scholarship programs for students at our public high schools uh, who were going to our public universities, our program at community colleges. Uh, so we really started in that area of education because we wanted to get those dollars out all around the state. We are funded by members in all 100 counties in North Carolina. So it was imperative for us out of the gate to really be able to support all of our communities in North Carolina. So scholarships really were our bread and butter um, and, and where we really started. And still to this day, where we give a significant portion of our funding every year. And from there, we branched out to bricks and mortar projects, like you're right. talking about. Our, our first project, uh, capital project, was funding for a group out of Chapel Hill our UNC uh, hospital's family house. Um, and 
which is a family house model that has been expanded to Winston-Salem and also to the Wilmington area, but right. provide respite for patients and family members who were seeking long-term treatment at our hospital systems. We also uh, got very involved in housing and, and to this day have funded several, I think six projects, teacher housing projects. So not just, we don't do just scholarships and grants, but we also provide loan funding, which a lot of folks do not realize. So we've provided funding in the area of workforce or teacher housing, state employee housing, and also in affordable housing. Uh, so that's just kind of a big picture of, of the funding we have provided over the last 18 years. I think the total dollar amount we've been able to fund has been a, in the area of about $235 million here in North Carolina. Fantastic. And you're right. And I think you've literally impacted nearly every county um, in one way or another, programmatic capital or some sort of scholarship uh, support, which I think is a fantastic model. And it leads me to the question, uh, Jama, or is, is the North Carolina foundation of the State Employees Credit Union unique, or what's the national network like for our listeners who are in other states? Is Are you unique, or is there a network of similar foundations? Well, you know, it, we are unique, I think, in that we're such a large credit union. You know, State Employees Credit Union is the second largest credit union in the United States. A lot of folks don't realize that, but there are plenty of other credit unions uh, that have foundations uh, in our state and throughout the nation. And so we do have a wonderful network of of other foundations that are um, that that are affiliated with their credit unions doing this work throughout the state. Uh, we were probably early on um, and an early kind of adopter to this concept and idea. But credit unions themselves have been really providing support through philanthropy, just the credit unions themselves outside of foundations. For, for decades. I mean, it's part of our DNA as credit unions to do this work. And so when I have an opportunity to talk to my colleagues all around the nation, we, we all get so excited because we realize that you know, forming foundations and working in, in areas of philanthropy and support for our communities is part of our charge uh, as credit unions. Well, clearly, and it's evidence here in North Carolina for sure. And I wonder, how did COVID affect uh, you've been a hands-on foundation, in my sense. You get to know the organizations with which you work and fund. Uh, did it change any of the mechanics of either your application or allocation for grant funding? Um, or was it something you kind of got through and are now back to the way it was prior? Well, you know, it's. It, I think the needs, uh, certain needs have been elevated since COVID. We, uh, we have a huge focus now in the area of housing and mental health access. But to take you back to those COVID days, we really had to pivot and we had to change. Uh, we had a lot of grantees that had come to us or we had to kind of put some requests on hold uh, and they had to put their plans on hold so that we could really focus on the needs at hand. Collaboration was key to us during COVID. We had we reached out, dug deep and reached out to so many other partner foundations and organizations throughout the state to say, what what is the need right now? And so we went really into uh, a focus on emergency needs and really provided large scale funding to a lot of statewide health care needs, um, other basic needs to get folks through that that scary time 
time where they were afraid. Can I, can I pay my rent? You know, can, you know, food, food security was, 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 was a huge need at that time and concern. So we really pivoted for a year and, you know, getting over the last couple of years, getting back into our groove of regular grant making, we, we've done that. Uh, but I think we've taken a new, fresh approach to that. I think the types of um, organizations, we, we've tried to reach out to not just larger organizations, large scale organizations, but smaller, very community focused organizations. And Patton, you've seen that, that through the, the work that you've helped us do through our mission development grant programs. I think really trying to highlight and lift up those communities that we've maybe never had an opportunity to work with before. Uh, absolutely. And it, it, it leads me to another question I want to ask, because again, I'm imagining the listener now, um, something that I think exa- was exacerbated during the COVID period was just the need for general operating dollars. And yes. I think, again, you have pondered this, I know, as a foundation. Uh, I wonder, has the foundation's uh, approach changed at all? In other words, a lot of the nonprofit leaders, the the fear sometimes was we've got to come up with a new shiny, yeah. impressive program to get your attention. Um, right. But how, how would you react to that topic, maybe? You know, that's funny. One of the things that we have always been very clear about is we do not provide operating dollars, but we made a huge exception during COVID uh, with with a number of our grantees. I think we we processed about 34 grant applications and provided anywhere from 100000 to 50000 in operating funds to our, we call them our family of grantees that we had worked with for years. So again, Fantastic. we kind of stopped taking new applications and said, you know what, we really want to focus on those folks that that are our core um, our core partners that that we have worked with for years now now since that time we have again kind of gone back more to a focus of our programmatic standing up new programs new capital but we're also now working in the area of mission development grant funding which really does get into some of those op- that operational funding for small uh, for small organizations. Uh, but but it is key and it's very important for nonprofits to understand that there are foundations who are focused on on providing those operating dollars uh, and, and knowing where to go to for that funding is, is so key. Absolutely. And partnering with you and them in other ways, because you said earlier, we need a diversified set of revenue as a nonprofit organization. And uh, you all have played a big part in that here in, in North Carolina. Good, good segue, I think, Jama, to the big four. Uh, I'm I'm labeling it that way because I think this is something where our listeners need to take note because you have uh, defined, I think, four key areas that funders like you are looking at. Uh, Many of them have a leadership component, not all, but let's start with staff. You know, could you speak to the importance of staff leadership and maybe what you're looking for in that category? Yeah, so I think that's a great place to start. You know, staff is so key. And we work with organizations that have been around for 50 years. We work with organizations that have been around for five years. But I think the one common thread I would find are leaders who were open and who were innovative, who were listening to uh, to funders, but but also telling their own story and 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 really articulate at 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 explaining that need. 
need and helping funders understand their mission and their importance in the community and what they're doing and and building a team of folks uh, not just employees but also volunteers that are that are working with them uh, to to further that mission uh, we, we, we look at the importance of succession planning with 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 so many staffs you know we yep. talked to a number yep. of organizations over the years who've had longtime executive directors and other staff and and, and in, in some cases, we've talked to folks who said, you know, we really haven't planned for that. But more and more now, we're working with folks who are saying, you know, we're thinking ahead. We realize that we need to be uh, prepared, preparing the next generation of leaders to come in here uh, and to take to con- continue to propel this organization forward. So I think healthy staffing is so key. I'm glad you mentioned that because I've, I've heard from other funders, as I know you have, that uh, turnover is a, a huge problem for the sector, mm-hmm. and you're about to invest significant dollars in an organization if there's turnover in senior leadership positions. So it sounds like that's literally why you're asking the question. Is that fair? Like we need to see a succession plan to have some assurance that even if turnover occurs, there will be some sustainability. I guess at the top. That's exactly right. And you know, we've had several of those organizations come to us over the last few years looking for funding, larger scale funding. And we've actually pointed them more towards our mission development grant, which allows them an opportunity to work with consultants and other experts on kind of building that plan out uh, for their staff. Uh, so we, when we've seen that gap, uh, we've actually talked to organizations and, and approached them about, let, let's talk about some capacity building in this area, ensuring, ensuring that piece up, because we understand that that is a key to their long-term sustainability. Yeah, I love that. And in fact, instead of a stop sign, you're basically saying, hey, we like where you're going, but we want you to invest in some of the the sustainability features, uh, including succession planning and assuring that leadership will be maintained. And of course, that may be a good segue to the second of your four pillars, and that is the volunteer board of directors. So what are you looking for there? Well, what, what characteristics or are there certain aspects to board leadership that you're looking to as a funder? You know, board leadership, just like staff leadership, is so incredibly important. And, and one thing I did not mention with staff leadership that that should not go unsaid is the importance of diversity in staff. You know, the, 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 the staffing and now talking about the board, they need to represent their community, the community that they're serving. Uh, the board needs to understand and be and understand that the needs of that community and um, and and to keep that organization relevant to what is really happening in real time and the needs in the future. So the board really needs to be um, you know very um, very engaged with that community, and that's an area that we also see a lot of need in capacity building with, with many of the grantees that, that come to us. They may have boards that they've had for, for, for many years. Uh, it may have been a long time since they reached out uh, to new board members and to bring in new ideas, fresh ideas. So we find that is an area that is, is constantly, um, it should be constantly evolving and constantly changing. Uh, and critical to the overall success of the organization. Also very critical to the fundraising of of the organization. We've seen groups come to us that may be a three K 
county or regional organization that may have a board that's just comprised of maybe one area or one county. And we say, gosh, you really, for that sustainability, for that long-term success, you need to be looking out there at broader leadership. So we find that just to be absolutely critical. And it's critical for, we found it to be critical for our credit union and our foundation to look at the same things. Love that. And it makes me think again, if I'm a nonprofit leader, uh, instead of just providing a board roster, it sounds like you're going to look deeper than that, right? Who are these people? What Do they represent the communities we're trying to serve? Uh, what What is their tenure? So I guess if you saw the same board members, if my entire board's been on the, you know, involved for 15 years, you might suggest that's not sufficient in terms of representing the diversity and change that's in that community. Is that kind of what you're looking for? Absolutely. And, you know, certainly continuity on a board is very important. And in some cases, it can take board members years to really understand um, the, the organization and all of those needs. But you're exactly right. You know, continuing to look to new board members, um, diversity in age is is very important as well. You know, for yeah. all of us, yeah. being, you know, if we want to speak to the needs of the community, then we need to, to be speaking to all of the community. And, and, and so I think being able to understand that community um, is, is, is so critical uh, to staying engaged. Do you, do you need evidence of my board actually giving money or fundraising? Um, again, as we diversify our boards, not everyone has great mm-hmm. the same capacity, but mm-hmm. I wonder, often maybe a myth amongst nonprofits is that you funders will expect my board to have 100% giving or something like that. How, how might yeah. you respond to that? Well, you know, I think it's different in for every organization and the size of the organization and and scale of the organization and even the location. You know, we work with a lot of nonprofits um, who, in especially in our our urban areas, where absolutely the boards are part of that giving piece and investing. Uh, we also work with some nonprofits where the boards are, you know, they're not all. Um, engaged in the giving because maybe they're not in a financial position to do that. But I think having a balance of board members who are are there to um, t- to really feel different gaps and needs is is so critical. You may have folks there that have a knowledge, an education background, or work expertise that really fills a gap for you. And then you'll have board members who will help you from a financial perspective and even helping uh, connect you to other influential folks or folks who would have an opportunity to give. Um, so, so I think it's just a healthy combination and, and, and looking at that board on a regular basis to make sure that that, that that board is meeting the needs of the organization and at the same time is reflecting the community itself. Yeah, well put. And it it leads to one process question, if I might, in terms of uh, applying for grant funding from the CQ Foundation. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there is a written or online process, uh, but your team also, is there in-person evaluation? Talk about the process as it stands now. Uh, do you meet with board members or staff members or does it depend on the nature of the, the grant? Oh, absolutely. You know, when we we talked about the importance of really vetting these projects and 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 making sure that we're good stewards of that member dollar, we, we really do. Uh, 
you know, we look at, at it as building relationships. We are really as staff relationship builders and, and we look at it very personally. Uh, we, we look at our grantees like family because we've really gotten to know them. So we dive really deep when we receive those applications. I think in the last year, we've received about 130 applications. So that's a lot. But, you know, we're looking off at the top, you know, do they fit our basic criteria? And when we realize that they do, we, we might start with a Zoom. But generally, if it's an organization that we know we're really seriously looking at funding, we're going out into communities and we're making that trip. We're meeting them where they are. In many cases, we're also bringing along local SECU membership. So if I'm visiting the Charlotte area, I'm going to reach out to my friend Tyrone Tyler, who's our our senior regional uh, senior vice president there, and maybe his advisory board members or some of his staff uh, to help us vet and review these projects. But we are. We're meeting with the staff of, of the of the nonprofits. We're meeting with the grantees. In many cases, we might be meeting with some of the folks that they serve. Right. Um, I, when we were working on vetting a group in, there in Charlotte uh, by the name of Ruth Above that provides supportive housing for folks who are chronically homeless, we had an opportunity to actually engage with some of the individuals that they are housing. Uh, and and really talk to those individuals about how the organization had really impacted and made a major difference, a massive difference in their life. So we really like to get in there and understand the community, understand the organization, and understand the individuals that that organization is serving. Yeah, it's fantastic. Thank you again for sharing the process, because again, for those here in North Carolina, I think this helps them understand the partnership you're trying to build. And I would think, again, for listeners in other states and countries around the world, uh, this is still a view into funders that I hope there are more funders like you, Jema, that are taking this approach. And I think there indeed there are. Um, let's move to your third pillar. We've talked about staff leadership. We've talked about board leadership. Uh, you you phrase it, I guess, as community leadership or community engagement. Yeah. Talk, talk about that. What is that and how do you evaluate that? You know, a lot of that, a lot of the strength of organizations that we look at, um, really, we, we, we see that in, in the engagement that they have with the community from the standpoint of the volunteerism. Um, it's amazing. Some of the organizations that we work with have maybe a very small staff, but they have a huge roster of volunteers. Yes, uh, indeed. We, so impactful and so important to see. You know, when you see an organization that has a number of volunteers, a number of folks that are willing to give of their time um, and and their their knowledge and their services, I mean, that is really impactful and really powerful. It could be a really small nonprofit staff-wise, but an organization that has just got an army of volunteers, that is so incredibly uh, important. We, we look for organizations that have key partners uh, in their region and key areas. You know, nonprofits can't do it all. They can't serve all of those needs alone. So how are they working with other local organizations to help fill those gaps? Um, you know, we find it to be very interesting and very smart, very strategically, uh, a good strategic move to have other partner organizations in 
within the county or within the region that can help lift them up and and, and where they can share resources. Um, we also look um, to the, the, the community funding, you know, how many funders do they have in the community? Um, is the county involved in funding? Is the, is the city or town involved? That's a key critical question that we have a lot, especially when we talk about the need for, say, capital projects or bricks and mortar funding. Is the county investing? is the city or town investing. So we know if there is local investment in that community, in that organization, that they are uh, on, on really good sound footing. So good. And it, in other words, there's validation, isn't there? If I can demonstrate to you that, yes, our community is behind us and, and give examples, as you just did, of whether it's municipalities behind us financially and I love the volunteer angle you mentioned, because you're right. A lot of organizations are small but mighty as their staff size. But if I can tell you that, yeah, we we are orienting and engaging hundreds of volunteers in our work, I guess that demonstrates to you that there is indeed community impact. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Well, and, 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 I, and you touched on, I think, a little bit your fourth pillar, and that is collaboration in the community. But Maybe there, there are other elements of collaboration, I, I guess, um, in terms of other nonprofits, or maybe speak to that. What what We talk about collaboration a lot in the sector, but what does it mean to you and, and how do you evaluate that? Yeah, so for nonprofits and collaboration, you know, it, it, it builds on what we just talked about in that community investment and in kind of a larger scale collaboration and connectivity to organizations, you know. We find that the nonprofits that are the most successful nonprofits that we work with are ones that are talking with folks, with others uh, from around the state of North Carolina or around the country to talk about best practices. They're lifting up those best practices and they're learning from others um, and, and they're sharing those ideas and those concepts. So they're just becoming stronger. So they're building that large scale network. Um, on, on on a grander scale uh, so so that they again are are working towards improving that overall sustainability. You know, we we realize that when we're working with nonprofit leaders who are always interested in learning and always interested in innovating, we know that that organization is is going to be successful in the future. That strikes me as a great teaching point that, and I've talked about in some of the coaching I've done that, yes, you need to be expert at your organization and the need you fill in your community, but you also want to be a learner in terms of what else is going on in your sector, what else is going on beyond your community. So it sounds like you also listen for leaders who are paying attention and, and are learning from what's going on around them and perhaps from other leaders as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think being a lifelong learner is just critical um, for, for us all, regardless of our industry. But I think working in the nonprofit se profit sector, you know, so many folks have fewer resources. And so how do you use your connections uh, to really fill some of those gaps where maybe you don't have a financial resource, but you know folks who know folks? And, 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 and no information that is just going to make you stronger um, and, and better. So I think it is really key. It's a, it's a key point for us all. Indeed. And 
I'm going to come back to you on that because you are indeed a lifelong learner yourself and you've got some ideas and resources I think you can share with our listeners. But before I go there, I guess the final question, is there other advice if someone's listening now thinking about nonprofit leadership or advancing to senior leadership in the sector? You've seen wonderful leaders in so many organizations. Is there any other advice you'd offer someone thinking about leadership in this sector? No, I think what I would say, Patton, is don't be afraid to reach out to folks and ask questions. Um, you know, don't be afraid that um, that you're going to look unintelligent <laughs> right, or, right. Or, or, or not informed, but, but, but ask questions. And I think for anyone who is looking at working in the nonprofit sector and, and specifically working in leadership, um, you know, find out what, what does that day to day look like? What does it take? Um, you know, so many I am so amazed at the grantees that we have worked with over so many years and just so impressed by their versatility. You know, I look at these organizations and these leaders wearing so many hats and doing so many amazing things and so much amazing work. Um, so, you know, understand that working in the sector innovation and creativity is key. And, and again, I kind of go back to that collaboration and that net networking, realizing that you don't have to have all the answers, but you just need to know who to ask. Fantastic. Uh, great advice. And I couldn't agree more because I think a lot of times there are individuals who have wonderful volunteer experiences in the sector um, and they feel good experience. But that doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. And as you suggest, talk to somebody. There are folks that I think would happily share their story and give you even greater insight as to either getting into the field or advancing in the field. And I'm glad you underlined that for sure. Um, well, Jamie, if I can ask for one more parting gift, you've offered wonderful advice across many topics related to uh, giving uh, and funding. Um, but for those listening that are lifelong learners like you, is there has there been a resource that's been valuable to you as a leader or a leader in this sector? You know, it's interesting. Um, we have a we have a new CEO, Jim Hayes, who came to us from Andrews Credit Union a little over a year ago, and he is a board member of an organization called Q's. It's a credit union executive society. And one of the things that they offer through the society um, is a Harvard leadership uh, course. Uh, and it has been phenomenal for us. I think so many of us uh, to kind of go back through some of these courses and on strategic thinking and emotional intelligence and so many other areas that you just assume, gosh, I've, I've been, you know, in a, in a leadership capacity uh, for a number of years, I, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I've been there, I've done it. Uh, but going through these classes um, has really been humbling because you, you, you realize all the things that that you take it for granted, or or just assumptions you've made about your knowledge or yourself. And so, going through these cues classes through uh, through Harvard Online have been really. Um, really eye-opening and, and, and giving, I think for me, it's given me an opportunity just to really reflect on the knowledge that I've gained, but also uh, I have a lot more to learn. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and I would say that for anybody, you know, whatever your focus is, whatever opportunity uh, that you have within your sector, uh, take, adva take advantage of, of that. 
Um, you know, I, I love um, historical biographies as well, just kind of outside of the the business, you know, leadership specifically uh, perspective. But but looking at the lives of folks who have really been uh, successful throughout their lives, and 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 one of the things that I, I I find is just a kind of a servant leader mentality for folks who've really been successful. Um, you know, kind of taking yourself out of that equation and thinking about what you can do to lift others up. I think that um, for me and my life has been a key takeaway. Uh, I'm delighted you left up biography as a resource because I think that is underappreciated in some sense. Our mutual friend, Rhett Mabry uh, of the Duke Endowment said mm-hmm. exactly that, that is biography that he finds some of the best learning. <laughs> um, and and the, the Harvard courses you referenced, so Jama, are available, right, to just anyone. You can go to their online resources. That's exactly right. You can go online and, and you can find those and and you can take them all or one at a time. But, you know, and you do it in your own in, in your own time, obviously, um, when it is convenient. But 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 I find they're they're quick. They're they're easy to read. They're easy to get through. Um, they're kind of some interesting studies that they've done and uh, interviews that they do with really key business leaders. And uh, I find them to be very um very enlightening. Uh, but I think, you know, reading and continuing to learn, continuing just to understand the issues just that we have here in North Carolina and our nation and in the globe, I think are just key to really putting everything in perspective for me. Outstanding. Thank you, Jama. as I knew you would. Lots of words of wisdom for our listeners to ponder as they consider their journey in nonprofit and philanthropic leadership. Where can people go to find out more about you and the great work you're doing? Well, you can visit our website at www.ncseccufoundation.org. We are also the foundation. I am proud to say we are now on Instagram. I think we have been for for now. years so so we're we're getting more involved with with social media and more active on social media so if you're interested in the types of organizations we're funding and uh, a little bit about the happenings of our staff you can go out there and follow us on instagram um, uh, for sec foundation and also in linkedin we now have a linkedin page for our sec foundation and again we really try to use these platforms these social media platforms to really lift up the work of the grantees and the scholarship winners. Uh, We always, it's so funny. um, We always see more activity on our pages uh, during scholarship season because we post all of those awesome pictures, uh, those beautiful pictures of all those students and those interns uh, that are taking advantage of our programs. So uh, we're always excited to see more followers. Impressive. A a hip foundation. You indeed are leading right now, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> even if we're trying. Yeah, even if we can't manage all of the social media now but you are leading the pack and that is impressive and and you're right because it is a, a multi-generational outreach that you're doing across North Carolina and certainly a great example to funders everywhere so for all of this Jama thank you again for joining me on the path Patton thank you so much 
Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jema as much as I did and came away with some practical ideas that can guide you on your professional journey and hopefully make your nonprofit organization more effective as it amplifies staff, board, and community leadership to potential funders. Don't forget about the show notes. This is episode number 194. Just go to the podcast page at patentmcdowell.com and you can find out more about JAMA, the State Employees Credit Union, and other ways to link to credit union and their foundations in your communities. As always, please share this episode with just one other person on the path. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to this podcast. Just go to the podcast page again at patentmcdowell.com And you will find the follow button. And follow does, in fact, equate to subscribing. Don't miss out on any of our weekly episodes. They come out every Thursday. And if you like this episode, click on the Episodes button on that same page. And you can scroll through thumbnails of some of our most popular episodes or search by topic or guest name. Thanks, as always, for the work you are doing in the nonprofit sector, especially right now. And keep up the good work for causes that are most meaningful to you. I'll keep bringing you content that can help you do it even better. Have a great week. I'll see you next time on The Path.